We have been talking about joy for the last couple of weeks. Everybody say joy. Let's say it again, joy. Joy, it's a fun word to say, joy. It's, it's a joyful word. We've been talking about what the Bible says about joy, and the Bible has a lot to say, a lot to say. And the sad part is, is that joy is what I see missing from way too many lives. The Bible says that joy is our strength. Joy comes from the Lord. You know, we taught you that joy is a choice. Joy is a choice. You choose to be joyful. You choose to be glad. And the more you stir that up, the more you find it stirs up inside you. And it gives you that strength you need. It gives you what you need to keep on going. Because how many agree? Sometimes life is difficult. Sometimes life is challenging, isn't it? Sometimes it seems like day after day after day sometimes. You heard the expression, when it rains it pours. And you think, man, I don't know that it get any harder. Wait a little while. <laughs> and something else happens and piles on. And, and we can't do anything about that other than trust the Lord to help us through those things. And we will make it through. In fact, the Word of God says that uh, Jesus said that if we would hear His Word and we would do it, what did He say? Even though the storms of life come, we'll make them through them fine. And we'll come out the better on the other side. That didn't mean God brought the storm. It's just there's storms in life. The world is, is messed up, so to speak. Ever since the fall where Adam blew it, so to speak, sin got into the earth, death got into the earth, and therefore that wasn't God's original design, but here we are. But praise God, Jesus came to do what? To save us. Amen? Remember everybody, John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Why? So that he would save us. And the next verse says, he didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world. How many of you know, we, you don't need any condemnation added to anything. <laughs> I mean, it's already there. He didn't come to condemn the world. He came to what? Save the world. Amen? Save us. Amen? Aren't you grateful for Jesus? Amen? Well, we learned again, joy is a choice. Joy comes from the Spirit of God. We showed you that. And so we're going to jump into today's message. I want you to go with me to Psalms chapter 1. We, we'll look at it on the screen here. Psalms chapter 1. It's the very beginning of the book of Psalms, the first three verses. And let's, let's read it. It says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. Now I can imagine someone unchurched or someone not familiar with the Bible reading this thinking, I didn't understand a thing I just read. Because some of the words aren't words we used all the time. You don't walk around using the word blessed like it's in there, or most of you don't go around saying the ungodly or counsel or, or standing in the path of sinners. Anybody here? You don't use that in your everyday language, do you? No, you don't. And so what we're going to do today is we're going we're to look into this a little bit further, but I want you to see something. The very first word in the book of Psalms starts out with the word blessed. Everybody say blessed. Say it again, blessed. It's a good word, isn't it? 
It's a good word. Sometimes we can say blessed, but we don't even know what it means. We don't even know what we're saying, but we know it's a good word. And it is a good word. Blessed is the man. Now, let's put it this way. Blessed is the person, okay? Man or woman, blessed is the person. Blessed is the, blessed is the person that does what we're looking at. We all want to be blessed. How about you? I want to be blessed. Amen? In Young's literal translation, another uh, translation of the Bible, it starts out this way. And remember, we've been talking about joy, so I haven't got off from that. The literal translation in Young says it begins with happy is the man, or happy is the person. Everybody say happy. Happy is another good word, isn't it? Happy, blessed, these are good words. Well, when the Bible uses the word happy, it doesn't mean the same thing in our culture. You see, when we say happy, it's something like this. Hey, I get paid today. I'm happy. You know, we went to my favorite restaurant where they have my favorite pizza. I'm happy. I'm happy because I found some lost money. In our modern culture, the word happy is more of a term that is based on our emotional state at the moment. In other words, I'm happy. I'm not sad. But we talked about last week how fast we can go from happy to sad. You can go, I'm happy, I got a raise. And then you get home and find a big fat bill you didn't expect. Now I'm not so happy. And we can go up and down, up and down. And so when the Bible speaks of happy, it's not talking about that. It's talking more about joy. It's talking more about a state of being, not necessarily something that goes up and down based on emotion or based on how I feel at the moment. And we are a culture of feelings. We are a culture that bases a lot on how we feel. How do you think advertisers get what they want? They show you something and it gets a feeling. They, they're trying to, that what they're doing is, if you buy this car, you'll look like that. You know? Well, that isn't true. You know? If you go on a vacation and you'd ever notice that they don't show ugly people out on the beach? You know, they're out in the Caribbean or whatever and they didn't show two homely people. No. They showed two perfect people. Why? Because somewhere in your thinking, that's the picture, the image they want in your mind, so you'll go that direction, right? Think about it for a moment. Most of the commercials, most of the things you think about, they always have the great-looking people. They always have these great circumstances. Even with the families, with the dinner, with a, they can make Kraft macaroni and cheese look like it brings the whole family together in love, right? Everybody's happy. Is that a typical family dinner? If you've got more than two kids, no, it is not. First of all, one's hitting the other, one's doing something, one's grabbing all the mac and cheese so the other one whines, I didn't get as much. That's a typical dinner. That's a normal dinner. I mean, the reality is, is that it's not reality. And so you know, I, I read this somewhere. We talk about happiness. Someone said money can't buy happiness. It can, however, rent it. <laughs> In other words, rent is what? That's not long-term, is it? That's short-term. So in other words, money can temporarily make you happy. You know, you could win the lottery and, woohoo! you know, this is awesome. But then all of a sudden, it begins to affect your life in a very dramatic way. Everybody wants to be your friend. People are coming out of the woodworks to find you, right? 
Well, the reality is, is they're not wanting you. What do they want? The money that you have, and you begin to realize that, that no one really loves me. You'd have a hard time telling who loves me for me. It's all about the money. And so that happiness is fleeting. And so our goal in life is not to just be happy in our modern culture's idea of happiness. No, the title of my message is this, full of joy, prosperous, and healthy. That's what we want in life, to be full of joy, prosperous, and healthy. And the Bible offers that to us. God wants that for us. So let's look a little closer again at Psalm 1 here. That word, happy or blessed, that we read at the beginning there, happy is the person, or blessed is the person. You know, that word blessed, most Christians don't necessarily know what the real meaning of the word is. They just use it. Uh, Mainly, it becomes Christianese. It becomes just a church word or something we've heard. In the Hebrew, the word blessed is actually plural. Blessings. So it means more than that. It's not a one-time, you're blessed, ding. It is blessings. And the word can mean this. Now remember, happy in the Bible is not the same as happy that we experience in our modern culture. Happy there is, is more of joy. It is more of something that sustains you. It is permanent. So the word can mean happy. It can mean blessed, prosperous, successful, right, contented. It is the equivalent to the Greek word blessed or happy. So if you're in the New Testament, blessed or happy, what does that imply? What does it mean? That's really what we want to get down to is what does it mean to me? And if God is saying blessed is the man or blessed is the woman, blessed is the person, and he fills it in, this is what you do, then I want, I'm interested in what that is. Well, what it implies is this. It implies happiness, supremely blessed, fullness. Everybody say fullness. I like that. Fullness, special joy, satisfaction. And see, the world cannot offer this. People chase it, but they never find it. Like we talked about the person who chases happiness. They're looking for that feeling. And when they find the feeling, something takes it away. Now they're looking for the feeling. That's why sometimes people will go from one marriage to the next marriage to the next marriage. Why? Because they had a momentary feeling of happiness, but over time it left. And so they're seeking it thinking, well, maybe it's in someone else. Now, that happiness could be in anything they're looking for. They could be looking at it in a business career, and they're chasing it all the time. They're looking at it for things, a bigger home, a bigger car, more money, more vacations, whatever it is, they chase it, and then they come right up to it, and it's not there. You know, I've been on some pretty nice vacations, and the reality is, is guess what? It was happy temporarily, but it just doesn't sustain me. You go up. And you come down about as fast. You could buy, I just have to have that new car. I just have to have it. If I have it, it'll make me happy. And then you get it, and after about the third payment, you ain't so happy anymore. Am I right? At least the guys could understand what I'm talking about. I mean, it just, it changes. You know, a a girl could say, boy, if I could just have that, if I could just have this, and they get it, and then happiness just flitters away. It just flies away like a bird. And then you go begin chasing it. So that's not what we want. What we want is what the Bible's talking about here. We want true satisfaction. We want true fullness. We want true joy. We want something that sustains us. 
I believe every person wants this inherently, whether they realize it or not. It's the thing they're looking for. And guess what? You're only going to find it in one person. The Lord Jesus Christ. And in Him, you can have all this. Now, this is making an assumption. Well, what I'm doing today is I'm assuming that you have received Him. And if you haven't, we can fix it really quick. But the reality is, if you've received Jesus, then there's the next step that we can take to cause this to be part of our life. Remember, what we want is a lifestyle, not something that we're chasing here and there throughout our life. It becomes part of our life, our everyday life. Whether we're feeling good or whether we're feeling bad. Whether things are hard or whether things are easy. Whether I happen at the moment to feel happy or whether at the moment I'm having a challenge with it. The reality is we can live a lifestyle of being full of joy, prosperous, and healthy. This is God's will for everyone. Everybody say everyone. The Bible, when we read this in Psalm 1, said what? Blessed is the man or blessed is the woman. It didn't categorize it. It said this person is blessed, but then it gives the dot, dot, dot. Well, what's the rest of it? Okay, what is it that I need to do? So let's look at this again a little closer and see what the Lord says. I want you to understand that blessings and success are available to us, but they won't just fall on us. A lot of people think, well, you know, if it's the Lord's will, it'll just happen. That's wrong. How many agree that farming is God's idea? How many would agree? He created the law of sowing and reaping, didn't he? Right? He gave us seeds, and so what do you do with seeds? You keep them in a jar and in the shelf, and you admire them. No, you sow them, right? You plant them, right? And you expect to harvest. But listen to me carefully. The farmer can be blessed with, did he create the seed? Did he create the land? Did he create the water? Did he create the sun? So here we have God creating all these things <laughs> and giving the man the idea of what to do with those things. But how many know man still has to do his part? He still needs to sow. And then when that harvest comes in, guess what he has to do? He has to get out there and reap it. He has to pull it in. He has to do his part. And so I want to make a statement here. It, it has something to do with what we're talking about. I, I, want, <laughs> I want you to repeat after me. Say, God doesn't like lazy <laughs> he don't like lazy it's all over the bible he doesn't like lazy in fact he tells us in proverbs admire the ants now have you ever seen a lazy ant anybody here ever seen an ant sit still for any amount of time i mean you've never seen one sunbathing just in a lawn chair kicking back no, they're always working, aren't they? When you see them, they're always doing something. They're always they're busy about doing what they're supposed to be doing, and what they're doing is prepping for times that they're not there. In other words, they're sowing, so to speak, and then there's a reaping time where they're chill, and they're not doing it, but they're reaping the gains of what they had, right? And if they don't do their part, do they have anybody to blame when wintertime comes? No. But see, what God is trying to say is, look at them. Pay attention to them. They're always busy doing what they should be doing. They're about the business they're called to be about. The question is, are you? Am I? And that's what the Lord's saying. Are you busy about what you should be about? What's important? Amen. So let's look at Psalm 1. 
And let's begin to break this down. The first part we notice is about influence. Everybody say influence. Influence is powerful, and we're all influenced. Psalm 1, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. Now, I like that, but let's amplify that a little bit. So let's look at the amplified translation to help us a little. It's the same thing, Psalm 1, verse 1. Notice what it says, blessed. Now, it tells us what blessed is. Happy, fortunate, prosperous, enviable. (laughs) Enviable. People are looking at you, envying you. Is the man who walks and lives not in the counsel of the ungodly, following their advice, their plans, and their purposes, nor stands submissive and inactive in the path where sinners walk nor sits down to relax and rest where the scornful and the mockers gather. Those that are picking on things. Those that are you know, making fun, so to speak. We see here the Bible telling us the first part of what we need to do. And he is pointing out to us influence. We are influenced by our circumstances. We're influenced by people. We're influenced by what we listen to. We're influenced by the world around us. Now Jesus told us that we live in this world, but if we have received him, we live in this world, but we're not of this world. We're to think a different way. We're to live a different way. Well, that is by God's word. And that is opposite what everybody else is doing. It's like we are going upstream when most everybody is going downstream. We're fighting against the current, so to speak. 1 Corinthians 15, Paul said this. He said, do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. In other words, how many remember when your parents said, I don't like you hanging around with that person? Remember that? Every one of you had it. No matter what, where your parents were at, if they cared at all about you, and I'm sorry if some of you didn't have those type of parents, but if you had at least reasonably decent parents, they would look out and say, you know, I just don't care for that person because I think they're a bad influence on you. Well, they were right in the sense that you are influenced. We're all influenced by things around us. Here's something we all need to consider, whether... You're rich or poor, whether you're of one color or another, another race, whatever religion, whatever that you believe, we all have one thing in common, and that is time. We all have 24 hours a day, every day, every single one of us, no matter what our background. The reality is you need to ask yourself who or what in that 24 hours is influencing you. And is it good or bad? Is it healthy or is it negative? And there is all kinds of influences coming at us. And if you don't do anything, if you just say, "Ah, I'm just going to go with the flow, I promise you most of it is negative. I mean, just watch the news at any given point. And how does it start? Boom, this is happening bad. Boom, that's happening bad. It's, they're never touting the good news. Somewhere in there they slip in a little nice little story, but most of the time it's about the negative news. You need to ask yourself, who are the people that are influencing you, that are speaking into your life? And what are they like? Are they helping you? Are they hurting you? Are they pushing you towards the things of God? Or are they pulling you down or a weight in your life? 
You need to ask, who are my friends? Who are the people that are speaking to my life? And if you don't have good, godly people speaking to your life, people that love Jesus and that are pursuing some, then get some. You know, hang around that type of people. Church like this, we got good people. No one in here is going to tell you, your life stinks. You're going down the tube (laughs) and start to push a bunch of negative things on you in here. Amen? We don't do that around here. We love on each other, help each other. What are we listening to? What are we listening to? What kind of music are you listening to? Are you listening to something that's talking about depression and how sad and pathetic things are? You know, country music. (laughs) It isn't all country music, guys. I mean, I remember one time my son had some music laid out. Most of it was pretty decent, but I pulled this one out because I just didn't like the cover. It's back when he was younger, and I'm looking at their lyrics thinking, Dear Lord, no wonder there's so many kids committing suicide or having problems because I was looking at this stuff, and if they're letting this stuff get in their head, I made him get rid of it. If they're getting this in their head over and 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 over, it's going to begin to affect them in a very negative way. And you take someone already unstable and mix it with that, you've got a major problem on your hands. Somebody could really do some self-harm or harm someone else. But the fact is, what are we listening to? What, what, what radio do you listen to? What, what teachings do you listen to? If you listen to teachings, you can hear some wrong stuff. You can hear something negative. Just yesterday, I was reading an article, and it was, uh, this, I guess, is a well-known minister. I wasn't familiar with him, but as I was reading it, they were talking about him, and he's pretty popular and well-known, and he was talking about a particular subject. I believe it was healing. And he was talking about how God has the power to heal and he wants to heal, but we need to basically ask, we need to basically beg him for it. And that doesn't line up with the Word of God. If someone looks at the Word of God and they study it carefully, God's a good God, isn't he? God wants us well. He wants us healthy. He sent his own son to pay the price and give that gift to us. When I read the story, I I had the aha moment. I know why he thinks this way. Why does he think this way? Because he's going through a health problem and it's never been solved. So he thinks because he's going through it, are you get what I'm saying? That this must be how, what is he doing? He's basing, he's judging God based on his personal experience and that's the problem. You don't judge God based on your personal experience. What do you judge his word on? His word. What does his word say? Not what your opinion says, not what you experience. Maybe there's a lot of flaws in his belief. And that's why, obviously, there is. (laughs) You know, that's why he's not seeing it in his own life. But my point is, that kind of influence can speak into someone's life and you begin to question, is God good or not? Is he, is he, you know, sometimes people will say, well, you never, you never know. I mean, God is so mysterious his ways and they'll begin to talk like that religious and if you listen to that kind of stuff you'll begin to think maybe it's true maybe that explains a few things in my life you get what i'm saying you can be influenced easier than you realized i believe that's why god calls us sheep sheep aren't the brightest of animals i mean and what it, what he's saying is sheep can just say <laughs> there's this joke in this movie where this dog 
always gets distracted. You know, they're trying to teach him and do stuff with him. And a squirrel runs by. And so the dog gets distracted. Squirrel! No matter what they're doing. And that's like us. Squirrel! We get distracted. That look, the grass looks greener on that side. Let's stick our head through the fence. And then they can't get their head out. I mean, what I'm saying is, sheep, God bless us. Amen. <laughs> All right, enough of that. What is influencing you during your free time? In other words, whether it be television, whether it be movies, books, magazines, doesn't matter what it is. What is influencing you? What is speaking in your life? It is encouraging you? Is it helping you? Or is it just wasting your time? The fact is this. We are being influenced by the world around us all the time. Whether you like it or not. Your decisions, your plans in life, your thoughts, your words are being influenced by what you're taking in. Whether you realize it or not. That's why God warned us and said, hey, Pay attention to who you're listening to. That's why all over the Bible, like if you, if you look at the Old Testament with the a nation of Israel, which they're an example to us. They're a shadow, a type, okay, of the church. And God is always telling them that when they go into a new nation, when they would come in and they would take it, what did he say? Get rid of all the junk. And in some cases, if they were real wicked and evil, he'd say, wipe them all out. All of them. You might say, well, that sounds kind of harsh. The reality is God knows what? That if you hang around with some of them, what's going to happen? They're going to begin to influence you, and you'll begin to act like them and walk away from him and miss the good things he had. So we need to be aware, to be conscious of what's coming into our life. Ask the Lord to help you pay attention. What is going on? Almost all of us here, if we were to consider what is coming into our life, then we should make some changes. And, you know, not make radical changes, but what I mean is make little changes as you're going along. You know, I'm going to stop listening to this. I'm going to stop hanging around that person. I need to find someone better and begin to make those changes, create some new habits. See, what we're doing is we're looking to impact our lifestyle. That's where we're going with this. It's all about lifestyle. And so what we want to do, again, is make some changes about who or what we're spending time with so that we can improve that. We don't need to be hanging around garbage. How many know birds of a feather flock together? You hang around garbage, you wallow in the mud, guess what kind of people you're going to attract? Same kind. Same kind. Amen? How many know the poor don't attract the rich? That's no shocker, is it? I can think of a lot of different illustrations like that. My, my point is, is that think about the kind of person or what you're listening to. Is it helping you, hurting you, etc., so on and so forth, and get rid of the junk. Amen? Make some changes. Now, the next thing in the verse he tells us, he tells us to do one thing there. He wants us to what? Remove some of our influences. He wants us to change what we're listening to. Now he tells us what to listen to. Psalm 1, verse 2. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. Now, the word law of the Lord is really referring to all of God's word, okay? That's how we need to perceive it. So let's read verse 2 with the beginning of verse 1 in mind, and it will help us bring it together. Blessed, happy, fortunate, successful, prosperous is the person 
who makes his delight in the Word of God. I want you to connect the two. Very, very important. God's words are the key to living the blessed life. Now, what did we say that blessed life means? Remember, it means fullness of joy. It means being prosperous, being healthy, being satisfied, having the life that almost everybody chases after. But God's words are the connection to that. I'm going to read the amplified version of Psalm 1-2. You can look here. But his delight and desire are in the law of the Lord. On his law, the precepts, the instructions, the teachings of God, he habitually meditates. Everybody say habitually. Say it again, habitually. All right. Habitually means what? Occasionally? It means all the time. It is something he's doing consistently, right? He is consi- it's, it's like a, just a habit in your life. I do this all the time. It is something that I'm habitually doing. Now, what is he habitually doing? Meditating. Meditating on what? By day and by night on God's Word. By day and by night. Meaning he's not taking big breaks from it. Now, how many know you got to work? you got errands you have to run. You have to do things all the time. But yet, with God's Word... The thing is, you don't have to necessarily always stop for three hours to do what he's talking about. If you memorized a simple scripture, once you got it memorized, you can walk around all day long while you're doing something else and just meditate on it. Now, what does meditate mean? Well, meditate means to speak over and over and over. Meaning that, like, for example, John 10.10. Jesus said what? That he came to give us life and it more abundantly. Well, I know that scripture, so that I can say that to myself over and over, that Jesus came to give me life. He not only came to give me life, he came to give me abundant life, more than enough. He came to give me abundant life. Now, as I continue to say that, what am I doing? I'm thinking on it. I'm hearing myself, and I'm saying it. In other words, I'm feeding myself my spirit on the inside. I'm, I'm, I'm consuming God's word. That's how you consume it. You eat it. What did Jesus say his words are? His words are what? Life. His words are life to us. Well, what is natural food to you? Life. How many of you guys going to skip lunch and dinner today? No, you're going to make it a priority, aren't you? Now that I brought it up, now your minds, man, where am I going to eat? What am I going to have? And then, you know, because why? I ain't missing no meal. You ever miss a meal and your stomach say, hey, what's wrong up there? Something got cut? What happened? (laughs) Why am I feeling hungry? Well, the fact is, is that just like you need natural food, you need spiritual food. And that spiritual food is God's word. In the Old Testament, remember manna? came down from heaven remember it would land on the ground and the israelites would pick it up well jesus said his word is like that he said his word is life in other words man cannot live on physical bread alone but he must have my word and see this is why a lot of christians are weak they're weak and they have no energy they have no faith they have no no spiritual gumption about them at all why? Because they're not feeding consistently. How many of you know if you skip a few meals, what happens to you? You get weak and dizzy and you, you can't focus and it begins to affect you. But see, we got this idea that, spiritually speaking, it's all optional. 
Well, Jesus said it's actually more serious. It's more serious. And so, again, the Word of God needs to be our focus in life. Now, why is the Word of God so important to us? Why does God make such a big deal out of it? Well, look with me, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. Now, there are many, many scriptures. It could take me hours, hours, days to cover this and exhaust it, but I'm going to give you one good one. 2 Timothy 3.16 in the Amplified says, Every scripture, everybody say it with me, every scripture. So it doesn't mean some of it, does it? Every scripture, every scripture is God-breathed, given by His inspiration, and profitable for instruction, for reproof, and conviction of sin, for correction of error and discipline and obedience, and for training in righteousness. Now, what is righteousness? It tells you. In holy living, in conformity to God's will, in thought, purpose, and action. I love that. God, what is God's will for you and I? How could we narrow it down? It has to do with God's will in thought, in purpose, and in action. So that. Everybody say, so that. So it brings it all up, right? So that the man of God may be complete and proficient, well-fitted and thoroughly equipped for every good work. You're not going to be equipped without the Word of God. You're not going to be able to live the full life that God has for you without His Word. And so this is why it's so important. You see, let me give you a few things. The Word of God reveals our purpose in life. Our purpose. The Word of God teaches us how to live. It's our instructions in this life. And many people are riding in life without the instructions. Now, how many of you know if you're going to repair a car, you better have the manual? If you're going to get in there, dear Lord, especially in this day and age, because some of the cars are so ridiculously complex that if you don't have something good, you're doomed from the start. Well, the fact is this, is that we need our manual for life. The Word of God is life and nourishment to our spirit. The Word of God tells us the thoughts of God. How do I know what God thinks about things? What's His opinion? How does He see things? His Word reveals that to us. When you get into God and His Word, remember, they are one and the same. You cannot separate God from His Word. They are one and the same. So when you spend time with the Word of God, what are you doing? You're spending time with God. You're getting to know Him. And the more you know Him, the more you know when He speaks to you. That's Him. A lot of a reason why a lot of people don't hear God as well as they could. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. How many are His sheep? Then what does the Bible say? You hear His voice, right? You need to quit saying, I don't hear Him very well. I know He talks to other people, but you know He doesn't really talk to me. No, He said, my sheep hear my voice. Here's the problem, though. Sometimes He can be speaking and you're not interpreting. You're, you're not receiving it. Why? You don't know His Word very well. And see, God doesn't go outside His Word. He never goes outside His Word. His Word is everything He's going to speak to you in your life. It always comes back to His Word. And so, if God is speaking to you something, but you don't know that area very well, you might let it just pass you. And you missed out on the blessing of God. You missed out on His direction. So it's important that we're in the Word. So there's two things I want you to take away from the first couple of verses. You ready? In the first verse, we're told not to think, act, or live. 
not. Everybody say not. So he's saying don't do this. Okay, The blessed person, the happy person, does not do these things. Do not think, act, and live like the ungodly. Or we could say the world. Don't think like them. Don't act like them. And then number two, he says in the second verse, what we are told to focus on. What to think and how to run our life so that we can live as God intends. You see that? So he didn't just leave us hanging. He told us what not to do. I want you to remove yourself from this stuff, this bad negative stuff. And I want you to live over here in my word that is what? Blessed and successful and full of light and life. And so he gave us very clear directions. How are we to live the blessed life? We follow his word. We follow his word. We obey him. We honor him. We live our life that way. You know, that sounds a lot like Matthew chapter 6, where Jesus basically told us to focus on the things of God, focus on his word. In other words, put his word first place in our life, and all the things that we need in life would be added to us. See, what does the world do? The world, those who are not seeking God, what are they doing? They are focusing on making a living, saving money, retirement, how they're going to pay the bills, how they're going to put the kids in college. Their whole life is about the next vacation, money, 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 effort, here, 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 here. And all those things are important, but they're missing out on something. They're missing out on the internal completely. They're making life all about just what they can feel and touch and grab. That what's going to happen when they die? All of it is what? It's gone. It's gone. It's like smoke. It just is, is gone. They didn't think of anything that would last forever. But if we seek first the kingdom of God... What is God saying? If you put me first, if you'll put my word first, if you will live your life based on my word, what did he say? All these things that you need of, I'll cause them to come to you. You'll be like a magnet and you won't be wasting your life away on worthless things. You're focusing on something far more important. Amen? Amen? In other words, what we want is gold at the end of our life. Not wood, hay, and stubble. Because gold can make it through the fire. But what does wood, hay, and stubble do? Burns up. It's nothing. Amen? In other words, pursue God is what he's saying. Put him first. His desire is that we're happy, blessed, we're prosperous, living life as God intended, even in the middle of a world that is filled with pain and questions, and sickness, and poverty, and depression, and all the other negative things you can think about in this life. That's not God's will. That's not God's plan. Listen to me. Let's talk about lifestyle real quickly. Lifestyle. It is not in one decision to live for God that we're going to live a blessed life. Let me say that again because sometimes people can think that. It is not in one decision that you're going to live the blessed life God has for you. But it is in a lifestyle. A lifestyle. Remember that habitually word we heard earlier. It is a lifestyle. Living our life centered around the authority of God's word. We make our decisions by his word. Our daily life orbits around his word. It is not possible, though, to do the word if we don't know the word. How many would agree there? 
I can't do something I don't know. And this is where the meditating comes in. We're told to meditate on the Word. Joshua 1.8. Joshua just took over Moses' shoes. How many would agree Moses had, he was big shoes to fill? I mean, you don't even have to be a born-again child of God, a church-going person to know who Moses is. Everybody in the world knows who Moses is. You just talk Moses, oh yeah, you know, the Egyptians, you know, all that kind of stuff. I mean, everybody knows Moses is. Moses was big. He did a lot in the Old Testament. He was a major figure in the Bible. And he dies. Joshua, which was kind of his apprentice, rises up in the ranks, so to speak, with God. And God speaks to Joshua, and he wants Joshua to take Moses' shoes, take his place. But he knows Joshua's intimidated, wouldn't you be? I mean, that's big shoes. We're talking millions and millions of lives, and they're all coming back to you. You're the leader. And so Joshua is wrestling with this, and God knows it. How many know God knows your heart? He knows what you're going through. And so he tells Joshua, listen, Joshua, and if you read the first chapter of Joshua, you'll see what I'm talking about. Just on your own, I encourage you to read that chapter. He encourages him over and over, don't be afraid, I'm with you. Joshua, don't be afraid, I'm with you. And he says, this is how you're going to be successful, Joshua. You're going to make it through these things. You're going to do the hard things. You're going, to, you're going to be able to successfully do what I've called you to do because you meditated on my word. Now, why does God want us to meditate on his word? He wants us to meditate on his word so his word is there ready in our thoughts, in our hearts, in our mouths so that we act on it. Everybody say act on it. See, it's all about doing the Word. It's not about knowing the Word. It's about doing the Word. And there's a vast difference. I know many Christians who are very diligent to spout off all they know about the Word of God. Maybe you know a few. Yet their lifestyle doesn't seem to follow in line with everything they know. They know a lot, but they don't seem to do a lot with it. They, they know a lot about the Word, but it's all kind of religious with them it's it's like this thing that they're proud that they know it but they're not really serious about it and that's what God's talking about it's not so much how much you know it's what you do with what you know how many agree that you could get the greatest doctorate you could get the the greatest amount of education and hang up a bunch of frames on a wall and still work at Burger King how many agree with me See, it's not what you know, it's what you do with what you know. And see, there's a lot of people that know a lot of things, but they're not doing anything with it. That's important with Jesus. He wants you to be a doer of his word. That's what all this is about, being a doer of his word. And when we're a doer of his word, we see it go into action. Look with me real quick, Joshua 1.8. It says, this book of the law, this is God talking to Joshua, this book of the law the word of God shall not depart from your mouth. What he's saying is it's always here. You're talking it all the time. But you shall meditate in it day and night. Day and night. Everybody say day and night. What is he saying? Habitually. Make it a lifestyle. Make it something you're doing all the time. Now why does he want us thinking his word and talking his word and singing his word and reading his word all the time for this reason right here? That you may observe to do. Everybody say it with me. That you may observe to do that's the point that you may observe to do according to all that's written in it in other words it's the doing 
that will bring success. It's the doing. Now, what does he say here? For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. So you focus on meditating on that word and getting it inside you, and God will help you and alert you to it when you need to act on it and change it. And when you act on the word, when you do the word, then it begins to go into action in your life. Then, then, everybody say then. Then you begin to see the fruit behind it. Then you begin, what does it say? For then, then you make your way prosperous and you'll have good success. But you have to do the doing of it. Everybody say doer. If you're around here, you see me hammer that all the time, all the time, all the time. The doer, the doer, do it. Why? Because it's only the doers that see results, not the hearers. Just like the education. You can have all those things hanging up in an office and be so proud of them and can't afford a cup of coffee. Why? You did nothing with it. Well, you can know all about the Word of God. You can quote verse after verse. You can quote chapters of the Word. Name all kinds of facts about the Word. And you know how much it'll help you? Unless you end up on a game show about Bible quizzes, zero. Zero. Big fat zero. That's really sad. To have someone spend so much time and so much energy in the Word of God and really not get anything out of it. Doesn't that sound like a bunch of religious people we saw around Jesus? They knew about the Word. They could quote things left and right. But they didn't practice it. They didn't do it. And so it didn't do them any good. Listen to me carefully. This scripture where we talked about prospering and good success, listen carefully. That's not just talking about material blessing. How many of you know what is far more important than material blessing? How about your family? Well, some of you are not sure. How many would agree? At the end of your life, what is the only thing you can take with you? People, people, people. And so what we're talking about here, again, full of joy, prosperous, and healthy, we're talking about a fullness in life. We're talking about your marriage. We're talking about your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren. We're talking about material blessing. We're talking about health in your body. How many of you know it's one thing to live a long life, and it's one thing to live a long life healthy? <laughs> There's a lot of people who can be hooked up to machines I can stay there a very long time. But that's not fullness of life. Right? See, God wants us fullness of life. It's like Barbara. She's walked in here today instead of being in a wheelchair. Did anybody notice that? Make sure, you know, praise God. It's working in her. Amen? Now, I'm telling her we're getting ready to jog. <laughs> but she says, I don't need that walker. Amen? But see, my point is this, is that you want fullness of life, fullness of joy, fullness of everything. Amen? Everything. That comes, listen carefully, it comes from God's Word. It doesn't come any other way. You're not going to find a book, How to Get Blessed, A to Z. Three steps to the blessing of God. It all comes to what we just talked to you about. Blessed is the person who puts God's Word first and does it. That's really that simple. Listen carefully. Your life is to be fruitful, productive, joyful, successful, a blessing to others. You're to bear fruit. Amen? God wants these good things for us, but it is, listen to me carefully as I make this statement. Listen closely. We're talking about a lifestyle 
not a casual response to God's Word. Big difference there. Big difference. It needs to be our life. Amen? And as I was putting this message together, it was eating my lunch. Me personally. Because I had began to think, how much time have I been meditating? See, I can get so caught up in making messages and do things, sometimes I can interpret that as my time with the Lord. But that's not really my time with the Lord personally. You know what I'm saying? There's a big difference here. I need to spend time personally. I can't just live off what I'm giving you. Amen. It's good for me, is what I'm trying to say. I gotta take my own medicine. I gotta look at the word and say, Am I working in it? How many would agree maybe you can make a few changes in your life? See, the question today is, what are you gonna do with what you heard? Are you just gonna let it pass by? Or are you gonna make a decision that no, 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 I'm gonna I'm gonna do this. I want that blessed life. I want that for me. I want that for my family. See, remember we talked about influence and you're influenced, but you can influence those around you. And that kind of influence from God is very powerful, very powerful. Amen. How many got family you want to see get turned on to the Lord? I got lots. I mean, but see, it won't happen because I wish it or I want it, but I can have a lot more influence in my life by the blessing of God moving through my life and that fullness that is something that they almost see. It's almost tangible. They can see something's different in your life. And I want that for me. Amen.